All right, so welcome to the Better People Podcast. I'm Margaret Urich, and in today's episode, we're talking with Keisha Sidney of the Y of Central Maryland. So Keisha, welcome today. Hi, thank you. Thanks so much for having me. Oh, I am thrilled to have you with us here today. So Keisha, I'd love for you um, just to tell our audience of HR folks and I'm sure some other people as well. Um, if you wouldn't mind, just share a little bit of your background. Tell everyone what you do at the Y in Central Maryland. Great. Yep. I am with the Y in Central Maryland. I'm the currently the chief people officer, and I've been in the Y for over 30 years. I think I've just started my 33rd year. Um, I haven't had a traditional trajectory to HR. I don't think that, well, and I don't know, I think it's not so traditional, but so many others say they don't have traditional trajectories either. But um, I started in operations. I started in the Y when I was in college and, you know, did some before and after school enrichment. I was a preschool director, moved up to executive director, district executive. I really enjoyed operations. Um, it wasn't until I participated in a very intensive learning uh, and development opportunity that we, you know, had these coaches and assessments and, you know, really honing in on what we loved. Um, and I became more of the driver of my career. And I said, you know what, I really love developing other leaders. Um, so as a district executive, I had a couple of executives who ran other centers within our organization, and I I really enjoyed it. Um, so I was able to achieve a role at our national office as a developer, a leadership development manager. So I designed and developed um, what we were originally calling a new branch executive boot camp. And we kept envisioning like executives like crawling through the stuff. And we're like, that's probably not the 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 way we want to describe uh, this type of work. So, um, but I was really excited to be able to do all of the needs assessment and research and as a subject matter expert, also develop and design um, this cohort program, which probably has had 20 or so classes go through it and is still active. Um, oh, that's amazing. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. And then later on, I had a chance to take the helm of the program that poured so much into me. I was the director of our multicultural leadership development programs at the YMCA of the USA. So that was for our national movement of about 800 Ys. And the role of the department um, was basically to help make sure that Ys were, that the leadership of Ys were as diverse of the, as the communities that we serve. Um, just like other companies, organizations, um, we were missing a lot of that diversity, especially at our top leadership level. So we were, we spent a lot of time focusing on that. Um, and that's one thing, diversity, equity, and inclusion is something that I feel I bring to all of my roles. Um, just wanting to make sure that people are able to bring their whole selves to work. Um, I think that's why as a chief people officer, I don't oversee DEI or any of those things, but it is important that um, just we make our, our workplace a place where people don't have to leave a half of themselves or part of themselves at home or their culture or what's important to them or their their gender or who they're married to, those kinds of things. Just very important to me personally. Um so I was at YUSA. I also had some other roles consulting and supporting C-suite leaders, 
Um, and then I decided to come back to the more local why. So been in central Maryland for about four years, started as the learning and development executive and very similar to what I did at YUSA, started a cohort program for our supervisors. We found that our supervisors were not consistent in their, you know, the and leading others. So we really wanted to hone in and invest our dollars there. And so we created, I created a supervisor series and we've had, I think 170 or so of our supervisors go through that. Um, you know, there is some churn, so we're continuing. Uh, but again, it's a 10 month cohort and we focus on them and, you know, it's, it, they're such an important part of the work experience for our folks. So, um, after that, I was able to move into chief people officer. The role opened up and, you know, we wanted to continue working on our culture and the associate experience. Um, and, you know, I've been in the role for four years now. Um, it's funny, though, when I took the role, my hundredth day was, I guess, March 2020. I don't remember which day, but you know, we all know what happened. We all know. Right. We all know. And on my hundredth day, I actually had to furlough 2,100 people. Uh, that was not why I took this role. Um, it was not, you know, I don't think any of us went into HR to do that. So my thoughts and dreams of, well, we're going to develop people and we're going to have a great culture. and We're going to do this uh, shifted quickly to furloughs and terminations and let's try and stay open and temperature checking and COVID testing and regulations, keeping people safe. Um, so I'm so happy to be beyond that part of the role. Um, but as you know, you know, COVID has had some lingering in impacts and we're all still, we're all still dealing with uh, the after effects and trying to recover. So yeah, so when you think about that, what would you say is one of the greatest after effects that you're dealing with there? I would definitely say that the trauma that people have gone through has not gone away. Many people lost loved ones. We lost mm -hmm. um, children. You know, we lost people um, either to COVID. Also, at the same time, you know, our country, all of the unrest around the political atmosphere, um, racial division, police brutality, like so many things have happened. Um, people are just, they're hurting, they're hurting, and they can't uh, not bring that to work, unfortunately. It, it comes with them. So um, being also in Baltimore and surrounding Baltimore City and surrounding counties, we also have folks who are dealing with violence and, you know, having to support a teacher who just lost a young one due to a violent act in, in their community. So more supports around mental health is where we've had to focus, um, giving people opportunities to you know, whether it's expressing what they're dealing with, giving them space, really supporting with the employee assistant programs, the EAP, uh, investing in that a bit more. Um, we're even thinking about hiring, you know, some a therapist or someone for our organization because the needs are so great, so great. So how do you um, help your the managers within your organization be able to have those types of conversations and to be able to to deal with the trauma that their employees are bringing in. Yeah, that's a good question. I think we 
really try to work with our our managers and our supervisors when you find though that they are the ones that are dealing with the brunt of it so they're also holding on to the trauma that their team members are are holding on to and then also with the staffing shortages and crisis that we're in the workforce crisis um, many managers are doing the frontline roles that they were hired to manage others to do so you know, if you were overseeing a couple of the pools as the swim director, now you're lifeguarding for eight hours a day. You don't really have time to to do the things that managers typically do. Um, so, you know, we do our best to just focus on them and support them and, you know, fill in where we can. But honestly, there's there's more room for us to continue to improve in this area. Um, we do measure our associate engagement and when we look at our scores for our, our supervisors, we're, we still see that there's there's work to be done there. Um, so their experience isn't as great as those that are on the front lines. And, you know, we have to we have to continue to improve in that area. So do you have thoughts around what that might look like for you? Like what would be the first thing you would want to do if you, you know, to make that improvement? I mean, continuing to hire folks and onboard them so that we can stop the churn. You know, we want to be a workplace where people want to stay and it's hard. We have a lot of educators. We have a very large Head Start program. We've got early childhood preschools, uh, before and after school enrichment, some community schools. So that's elementary, middle and high school. And we know with the pandemic, a lot of educators took themselves out of the game. They said, I'm not doing this. It's not worth it. Um, and so for us to try to, you know, get them to stay with us in the why, we're also not able to pay as much as maybe the public schools or other school districts. So, you know, we have to do other things and remind them, you know, of the sense of community that they have here. Um, I know one of our, our Head Start locations has a Zen room. Um, you know, maybe you just need some time in between, you know, working with your children and, you know, you can go take a break. They've got nice plants and just a, a nice space where people can can be. So I'd like to do more of those types of things. You know, even things like the Calm app, getting that for each of our associates and, you know, hearing from people that it really helped me just to know that I could use this, you know, whenever I needed to. I could do it in the morning or I could, you know, at my fingertips. Um, so some small things like that, in addition to listening groups, just having um, spaces for our associates to be heard. Um, I, I think that that sense of community is super important. Um, it's been a part of the supervisor series as well. So that cohort feel where people have supports beyond just their supervisors. I think that that's, it's important that everyone has a group of safe people to, to chat with, uh, in the workplace, especially as, as managers. Yeah, absolutely. So you alluded to, um, something that I wanted to ask you about, and that is that you do work for a nonprofit organization. You work for a mission-driven organization. Yes. And I know for HR, that can sometimes, um, well, can be different. So, and I, I know you have found that as well. So talk to us about that. Well, definitely, you know, our mission and being a charitable organization is who we are and how we do business. And, you know, in HR, there are times when you have to have some unpopular decisions or make unpopular decisions. And I think that there's a balance um, that you have to make. You know, we want to be as humane, humane and, you know, have humility in the way that we work with people. Um, 
I also think that there are times that we as managers, especially in the why, we may overlook things or incidents and say, oh, well, let's give that person, you know, a little bit of a break on that. And you have to be fair and consistent. We're an organization, uh, there are employment laws, you know, all kinds of things and um, making sure that our desire to be mission driven and charitable doesn't um, have us working with our associates in a way that's that's not consistent or professional or legal, you know, even. Um, so having that level of the standards and the metrics and we're holding people accountable, accountability, I guess is the big word. Um, we can still be a charitable organization and still have a high level account of accountability. Um, so, yeah. Well, good. So one other question I wanted to ask you somewhat related to COVID, um, but that is, I know, I know a passion of yours is helping individuals really learn how to articulate their accomplishments. And when I think about everything that the past three years has required of our HR professionals, I know so many of them have had more accomplishments than they probably ever thought they would have. They were asked to do things that were not even on their radar just a day before, right? But a day before whatever that date in March was, right? Right. So I think so many of them do have some awesome accomplishments that they should be sharing. They should be, well, one, even just recognizing for themselves, but then two, making sure that they they share and use to promote themselves. So Mm -hmm. what are your thoughts around there? How do you help people with that? I love this question. Um, it's something that I, I think that I've dealt with in my past. And as women, people of color, sometimes we have the imposter syndrome. And, you know, are we, is it okay for us to either ask for more money or advocate for ourselves or do any of those things, toot our own horn? And yes, it is okay. It's more than okay. Um, and we need to be comfortable with it. Um, I know one practice that I started, and it might have been maybe when there were times that were not so great, where I just have to write down the things that I've accomplished that I know have done well. Um, And I recommend that to others, write down, track your accomplishments, and not just track them, go ahead and monetize them. What's the value of that accomplishment? You know, that new system that you put in or that new provider that you brought in that has saved the company this much money or has made your onboarding process efficient. Um, So keeping track of those, monetizing them, and then communicating them. I think that also as the top HR professional, some of what we do is in the background and people don't, they just kind of automatically expect it to happen. Um, but I think sharing that with your colleagues, with your your chief and you know all of those, letting them know, sharing it with the workforce. These are the things that we're doing behind the scenes that you didn't even realize. Um, communicate it. So I say, articulate what it is or track it, monetize it, and then communicate those accomplishments. Um, and I think that when we are looking for, you know, maybe it's raise time or we're going for that next role, they'll be handy. There's a place where you can just quickly say, these are the things that I've done. Um, and I'm really proud of these accomplishments. This is the impact that it had on my organization. During COVID times, I think we've all done so many things. So it's a good time to kind of track those those accomplishments and and feel good. And they'll be good reminders on those days when uh, we know it's not so fun to be in HR. 
Yeah. And so I'm listening to you talk and what's occurring to me and I'm kind of grinning because the advice you gave is really the advice as HR professionals that we give to all of our managers with regards yes. to managing performance. Like don't wait something? till the year end performance <laughs> review and try and think back to everything that your employees have done, like write it down. Yep. Um, but I love the monetize, right? Because that is what's so important. We know that we need to talk in terms of of what we accomplished and, and really what was the ROI for the organization with regards right. to that. So gone not only documenting where we, Yeah, gone are the days that we can just say we did this. We do have to be able to talk about it in those the terms of ROI. It is important. HR strategy and us being seen as the leaders that we are and to be at the table, I think that those things are really important that we we keep in mind and we use the language. So when you think about your varied background and being in operations for so many years, mm-hmm. what is it, what's a skill um, or a strategy that you learned in operations that you've brought into your role as the chief people officer? I think for my team, it's important for me to remind um, them that when in the absence of HR, operators will figure it out. They'll try and figure it out. So, and it may be right, might not be, but they're going to do the best they can. Um, so it's important that we just show value and that we show why we are here. We remind folks we have our expertise. We sharpen the saw. We continue to stay abreast of, you know, current new things, new trends, that kind of thing. We continue to advocate for them. Um, but it's important to just know that there are end users. Those are That's who we're supporting. Um, and sometimes they don't think they need HR and, you know, they're like, oh, we can figure this out on our own. Um, but if we build good relationships with them and help them to see how we can partner together, um, I think that that value is is seen and, and needed. Um, so I think it's important to, to build those relationships. All right, that's awesome. So one of the the one question I love to ask everyone um, at the end of our our time together is when you look back over your career, what is something that you've changed your mind about? Hmm. One thing it's funny because when you start your career, you're the youngest in the room and you think you know it all. And so <laughs> now as I'm, you know, here, I'm like, there's never any point where you know it all. Um, you know. I constantly am learning things. So I think that I thought I would arrive and, you know, at some point I'd be this professional that is, you know, confident and knows it all. And, you know, I I don't know what I was envisioning, but it's a bit different. And uh, I think it is humbling to know that we are constantly learning. Um, So that's one thing that I would say. Yeah, I love that. And, you know, we were talking about that before we hit the record button and that idea of being a lifelong learner. And mm-hmm. and I do think, right, it sounds like that's what you're learning, that that's where we're all at, right? This this need to just constantly be learning. Yes. I mean, even when times are uncertain during COVID time, when I'm going through all of these things, things are super busy. I decided to go and get a certification. I just needed to learn something new. Those are things that ground me to be able to say, okay, what else is going on uh, that can help me to help our associates and um, us, us get through this together? So I love that. What was the certification? It was in uh, diversity coaching. So okay. really enjoyed it. Yeah. Well, that's great. Well, I've really enjoyed our time here today. Keisha, thank you so much for joining us and for sharing your experience with us. Thank you, Max. Thanks for having me. 
Thank you for listening. We hope you got a ton of value out of this episode. Before we go, we want to thank the sponsor of our show, the Mid-Atlantic Employers Association, more commonly referred to as MEA. MEA provides human resources services to hundreds of businesses across numerous industries every day, bridging gaps that restrain innovation and growth. If you need support around people issues, reach out to meainfo.org. Better people, better outcomes.